Hello, this is Alex Granado, Senior Reporter for Education NC, and you're listening to Ed Talk. Today we're talking with Rose Hoban. She is a reporter and founder of North Carolina Health News, and she is here to talk to me about uh, the situation with school nurses in schools in North Carolina. Rose, thanks for talking with me. Hey, no problem. And so you recently had an article that ran on both our website and on North Carolina Health News uh, related to school nurses. Tell me about the impetus behind you looking into this topic. So what happened was that the legislature asked the Legislative Program Evaluation Division, which is the nonpartisan kind of study group out of the legislature, um, lawmakers asked Program Evaluation to take a look at the school nurse situation in the state. And the PED, as it's known, throughout 2016 and early 2017, did a bunch of interviews and asked lots of people and you know did research on this whole topic. And what it came up with, kind of surprisingly, was that um, there's an increased need for school nurses in the state. Uh, up until now, there's been kind of a goal to have one school nurse for every 750 Masomenos students. And, um, and that was recommended in 2004. And we're nowhere near that right now. And so it turns out only 46 of, uh, of 115 L- LEAs in the state um, have that ratio, meet that ratio. And in order to meet that ratio, PED calculated that it would cost between $45 million and $79 million annually. So that's what got me thinking about looking at school nurses and where we are. Okay, and, and so l- let's look at this from two different angles. One, so according to the report, we obviously don't have the number of school nurses we need. You went to visit Grove Park Elementary School in Burlington, yep. Um, and you talked with a nurse there. So tell us a little bit about what you found out, some of the, some of the anecdotes you heard about what it's like to be a nurse in schools now under the current situation. Well, um, I hung out uh, for a morning with a woman named Amy Witterick, who, um, if you're going to follow around Amy, you need to put on your sneakers. Because she is in almost constant motion. And um, one thing I didn't get into in the article is that I, I don't, there was like, she didn't get more than like a couple sentences into an answer before we were invariably in, interrupted by either a kid or a teacher or somebody from the school, you know, one of the other officials from the school. I mean, she really, she is constantly in demand. Um, she's at the school, there's about just about 500 students. Um, you know, the, you know, enrollment tends to fluctuate, but I think it was at 502 when I was there. Um, but there was a little boy who came in with his mom and they were enrolling him. Um, and so she's the only nurse there. And so theoretically she exceeds the one to 750 ratio that you would expect. But, you know, talking to her, it was like, well, why? I mean, I, you know, I, I, I had this anecdote that, I, Alex, you know that I'm a nurse. And I don't know, maybe a decade ago, I had, I was talking about work and, you know, I was busy and whatnot. 
And I say, I don't know what I want to do. And my oldest brother, who's in his early 60s now, he said to me, oh, man, you know, you should like become a school nurse. Like you only work until three o'clock and then you get home in the afternoon and you get a couple months off in the summer. And, you know, what do you do? Like you give out aspirin every once in a while. It's totally sweet. And I was, at the time I was like, mm, no. And everybody that I spoke to for this story, I would tell them that anecdote and they would all just laugh. Um, you know, because part of it is that, you know, when my brother was growing up in the 60s, yeah, maybe the school nurse was the nice lady down the hall who would give you an aspirin or put a little cold compress on your head when you felt unwell. But now um, the point got made to me that technology has allowed for children born earlier, for children who are low birth weight, for children who are born with, you know, a lot of a lot of just sort of disabilities, both major disabilities that you can see and smaller disabilities that maybe you can't see. Um, a lot of these kids, like they're in school and that's because parents want it. It's also because federal law and in some cases state law mandates it. You know, like there's the Americans with Disabilities Act, there's the IDEA Act, which um, mandates educational opportunities for kids with disabilities. Um, you know, so you've got all these kids in school. At one point in time, Amy opened up for me a cabinet that's on the wall. And in that cabinet, she's got the asthma inhalers. And I didn't actually stand there and count. I mean, I could go and look at the photograph. There were easily three dozen asthma inhalers, you know, hanging up individually labeled and named Ziploc bags with their asthma inhaler and the little thing that uh, allows the the, the inhaler to be nebulized a little better. And, um, and she had a whole file drawer with oral medications that kids need to take. Um, first thing in the morning, I was there around 7.15 and then the buses started rolling in around 7.30. And one of the first things that happened in the day was that one of the teachers came in and was saying to Amy like, hey, yeah, there's this little boy. He's been taking a psychiatric med. Um, and you know, I thought it would help calm him down, but he's getting more agitated and, you know, I had to put him in timeout and, you know, I had to send him to the office the other day and it's not, you know, so these are the kinds of things that this school nurse is dealing with every day. Um, I have to be careful about what I talk about cause you, uh, I don't want to reveal some of the conditions that some of the children have because of the, because of privacy laws. But, um, there was a kid who they were talking about who broke a bone um, and they were talking about how they would help this child uh, go to the bathroom when uh, the child returned to school in, in a week or so. Um, there was another kid who had a private duty nurse um, because of some medical problems this child's been having. So there's some pretty complex things just rolling around the school. And the kids all take it in stride, right? The kids are like, what if, you know? <laughs> um, but, the, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And, and Amy and her school, they're actually lucky ones because Amy is, uh, you know, a dedicated nurse for this school, but that is not the case at many schools around North Carolina. Um, so tell me about that and the kind of problems that can create. No, yeah, the, the, Amy really is a little bit of a rare bird. There's only a handful of school districts where they're even close to having one nurse per school. Um, as, as, as I mentioned, you know, as a state, our goal is to have one 
nurse for every 750 children. Right now, um, as of the 2015-2016 school year, there's one nurse for every 1,086 students. Um, And I'm just scrolling now through the PED report, which is 50 pages, and they've got a listing in the back of the report of the number of schools. Let me see. We've got... um, Nurse to student ratio recommended, la la la. There's only 4% of uh, LEAs with a nurse in every school. That's five out of 115. And, um, you know, that's, that's just a really small amount. And then if you look per uh, school district, you know, for example, in Alamance Burlington, where Amy is, there would be they would require another 11 and a half nurses in order to get to the point where they're um, having at least a, a nurse in every school. Um, Alamance Burlington would need six more nurses to get to the one per 750. And there's as many, like for example, looking at this Charlotte Mecklenburg, to get to one per 750, they'd need 30 more nurses. Now Charlotte Mec, they, they had a big push a couple years ago to get a nurse in every school. And so they're only six nurses shy to having a nurse in every school. Um, and, and you could see that in a given school year, right? You have some people leave and you have some people, you know, uh, they retire. And so they're, they're always looking to hire. Um, but like Wake County, for example, um, in order to get to the ratio of one to every seven to 750 students, they'd need 133 more student, uh, school nurses. So, I mean, there's a, she's really a rare bird <laughs> to be at a place where, you know, she's the only nurse in a school. This PED report, it's showing lawmakers that this is an issue. It's letting them know how much money it would take to resolve the issue. Mm-hmm. What are you hearing about reactions from lawmakers to the report and to the idea that action needs to be taken? Well, we're still waiting on it, right? Um, I, um, I haven't had a chance to catch up with the two leaders of PED, um, they were supposed to be meeting uh, on uh, today, Monday the twelfth, February twelfth, and they to to sort of do a, a larger flesh out. They did just a quick um, review of this study when it was first presented. They only got about like ten fifteen minutes, and they were going to spend a bunch more time today. But that meeting was canceled. So, you know, whether you know you and I have spent a lot of time at the legislature, Alex. I, 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 I can't kind of see lawmakers just kind of going like, hey, okay, like, you know, we'll, we'll fund this. Um, you know, actually, one of the things that the PED report shows is that there was a push during the Easley administration to get more school nurses into schools, right? And, you know, Governor Easley had a big push and the legislature, you know, dedicated money. And so, for example, um, the, in like, in 2004, the state would have needed eight, 81, uh, the state, the state funded 81 additional state funded positions and LEAs funded 96 positions. And that number had grown to 326 in the 2009-2010 school year. And then it stayed flat. Um, so since 2010, there's, the state has only funded 315 school nurses, but you've seen a real growth 
in the num in the amount of funding for school nurses on the part of local LEAs. So it's really the local it's local taxpayers basically in their local taxes funding additional nurses in schools right now. I'm curious if when you talk to Amy um, or other nurses, is this something that they were already aware of? They were they were like, yeah, of course we need more nurses. Uh, um, it was interesting. I had a conversation with a woman named Donna Mazik. She's the head of the National Association of School Nurses. And what's kind of interesting, and it's it almost feels a little bit like they've moved the goalposts, but the NASN has actually moved away from thinking about the one per 750 as a goal, because what they've realized is that they really need to, like, it depends on the school. Like Amy's school is a Title I school, which would be that 80% of the kids are qualified for free and reduced meals. But in her school, it's actually 100% of the kids qualified for free and reduced. And there's really good data. You know, it, there's, there's kind of like no question out there that kids who come from low-income, low-resource families end up having more health care issues, whether it be because their housing is of lower quality and so they're more prone to you know, developing uh, asthma because they're, you know, they're in a house that maybe has mold or whatever, or um, they don't have access to care because there's, uh, there, there's less insurance, uh, maybe, or if they do have insurance, um, I mean, most low-income workers don't get insurance through their jobs, so maybe they're getting S-CHIP or Medicaid, and the local providers, you know, accept these things. So all this is to say is that, you know, the nurses I spoke to were like, yeah, one per 750, mm-hmm, except, you know, we need to, we need to tweak this, um, and it it might be that some schools are totally fine for like one nurse per thousand kids, right? And that other schools really need, like Amy, like one nurse for 500. Um, and that's where the National Association of School Nurses has come to, is that it really needs to be like one per 750 is kind of like a, a vague goal, but it really needs to be more uh, more nuanced than that when you're looking to determine uh, how many nurses are necessary for the number of students around. And kind of getting to, to some of what you're talking about, you, you mentioned in the article the link between health and poverty. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we know in North Carolina that uh, uh, some of the more, uh, the, some of the poorer districts in our states are some of the lower performing districts in our state. And I feel like a, a lot of times people think of health and education as two separate and distinct things when in fact, you know, a child's health and their ability to Uh, get treatment for whatever their health condition is, actually radically affects their ability to perform. Oh my gosh, it was amazing in this school. Like the the stuff I saw was amazing. I don't, like, you know, I went through elementary school and middle school and high school and stuff. And I don't ever remember being in a classroom with a kid with cochlear implants, but I met a kid who had cochlear implants the other day. Um, And Amy said that this was one child who was having hearing issues addressed, but there are other kids that she knows when she does the hearing screening that they have hearing difficulties and getting that, I mean, getting them to, to the doctor to maybe have hearing aids. Like that's a really concrete way that if you're not having this health problem addressed, you're not going to be able to learn. 
Um, you know, there was a, uh, you know, more, there are more kids with autism, for example, who were mainstreamed into uh, public schools now. Um, and, and then just stuff like Amy and I talked about dental care, dental, right? Like if you've got a kid whose tooth hurts, um, they are not going to be able to concentrate on what's happening in the classroom. So there are all kinds of ways. Or, or Amy talked a lot about seat time, which um, you know I'm, you've probably heard about heard of that, right? As a as a metric mm-hmm. because you work in in the education space. But that wasn't something I was uh, as familiar with. But this idea of like how much time does that kids is that kid's butt in the in the chair and he or she is learning well if the kid is constantly being sent to the the you know or or being kept home from school because they're sick that kid's not going to be able to learn um we talked about uh i had the opportunity to talk to amy's supervisor who is the director of school nursing for alamance burlington school system and she said you know that dropout prevention in a lot of ways what the school nurse is doing is dropout prevention in like grades one two and three right because if you've got a kid who starts out their school career they've got a learning disability or they can't see or they can't hear and they end up coming to school they don't do well they don't learn to read um you know there's not as much sort of holding kids back for social reasons you know, this kid gets into high school, they're not as competent at fulfilling their tasks. And she said the stakes get higher the the longer they've just been kind of moved through the system. And she said the later, the later these kids fail, the harder they fall. So it's better to address these things early on and help these kids address these issues when they're young rather than to be playing catch up when they're 14, 15, 16 and ready to drop out. So yeah, I could totally see, I mean, it, it, it kind of, when they started explaining it, it was, it, it seemed to me to be a total no brainer about how like a kid's ability, a kid's health affects their ability to learn. And so, and so what can we expect from North Carolina health news? Are you continuing to follow, follow this story? Are, are there more articles coming? Tell us what the, what the future holds for you all. There's one more article for sure that I'm doing. I'm actually in the process of writing it. Um, while I was doing the research on this article and talking to the people from the National Association of School Nurses, they said, oh, you know, because we're, we're advocating for more nuance in how you assign school nurses, um, we're looking more at patient acuity measurements. So, for example, in hospitals, right? Um, when you're a nurse in a hospital, what they'll do is, you know, they'll say on a floor, okay, well, the patient in room one uh, requires to have blood hung and is going to need to be walked to the bathroom a couple times and they get a, a ton of medicine. The patient in room two is two days post-surgical. She's pretty straightforward, patient in room three. And they'll go through that and they'll add up what's the acuity of each patient and then assign nurses based on the acuity on a given unit at a given time, right? So that's, we we already know how to do that in healthcare. So um, what they've been talking about in the school nurse space is coming up with ways 
of figuring out patient acuity or student acuity for school nurses. And so it turns out that some really solid research was done by a nurse in Wake County. It's been published. Um, it's been, uh, you know, it's being tested. Um, there, it was done in conjunction with uh, someone from East Carolina University who helped with the design of the research and the, and the statistics. And they were looking at finding a nurse acuity model or a, a student acuity model, excuse me, for, um, for nurses in school districts. And so, for example, in Wake County, that's been part of how they've assigned school nurses. They have 106 school nurses in Wake County. Some schools get 24 hours a week. They're three-day-a-week schools They get uh, of nursing. Some schools are two-day-a-week. Some schools are one-day-a-week. And when they started this, school, this nursing acuity study a couple years ago, they could see pretty quickly that there was a need for more school nurses in a couple schools. And so the county came back and over the past four years has funded 39 additional nurses. And it was based on the acuity that these nurses were seeing. And they were able to document, um, you know, the needs of schools, the needs of administrators and teachers, right? Because if a kid is sick and there's a teacher having to give meds or a teacher having to deal with some kid's asthma, right? Um, that teacher is not teaching. So it, it, was, it was looking at the, the kinds of health issues that were present in a given school and tweaking the number of nurses or the amount of nursing time for each school. And so, um, so now they've, done, they've published some research and it's, it was really interesting stuff. And there's uh, at least one other school district. They, they seem to think that it was either Asheville or Buncombe. I haven't had a chance to call up because I'm still writing the story, um, is interested in adopting this student acuity model and testing it there. So it's kind of an interesting way of addressing, you know, how many nurses should be someplace. And I'm in the middle of writing something up about that. Well, Rose, thank you so much for talking with us. No, oh, it's my pleasure, Alex. We've been talking with Rose Hoban. She is a reporter and the founder of North Carolina Health News. And I'm Alex Granados, senior reporter for Education NC. And you've been listening to Ed Talk. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.